Welcome once again to another episode of Real Talk. And uh, it's great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to a, a great show. Bringing the show in with Stone Temple Pilots. Let's listen a little bit. Like I said, thank you once again for tuning in on this lovely, lovely Friday night. We had the uh, a lot of fun going on in Norton tonight, downtown, a lot of festivities, car shows, and uh, a good time for everyone, so please come out. Uh, a lot of things going on with the uh, Best Friends Festival. I almost said Best Friends Film Festival. That might be a thing to do in the future. The Best Friends Film Festival. So tonight, I know that you may have heard the promos of the Johnny Depp movie Dead Man. I know that you may have seen the Facebook and social media statuses of Garden State. But uh, I decided to throw in a curveball for everyone tonight. So the curveball will be... The 1994 Brandon Lee movie, The Crow. And um, it holds a special place into my heart. Is that the saying? Into my heart? It holds a special place in my heart. And if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend that that you check it out. Now, typically we get um, requests quite often throughout the week. Why don't you do this movie? Why don't you do that movie? This was one that had been suggested in the past. And here it is in the future, a couple years later, that we're now doing it. So I'm very, very pleased to uh, announce that. Now, before we get into the show tonight, please go to all of our social media pages. We have the Facebook, Spotify, and YouTube we now have In Dreams. It is streaming on the other people's show on uh, YouTube also. And um, we're going June 10th to a uh, film festival in Knoxville, Tennessee. We've been selected and we're, we are one of the 13 finalists. So very pleased to uh, be a part of that. <clears throat> so a lot of fun stuff going on. So to get down to it, in The Crow, we have a man is brutally murdered, and he comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiancée's murder. And uh, the reason that I really say that this movie has a special place in my heart is I was a young, um, a young kid, 
Brandon Lee was an up-and-coming actor. Um, he had been in a few other things. He had been in a movie called Rapid Fire, which was one of his first theatrical releases that had Powers Booth and Nick Mancuso. That was from 1992, which was more of an action-adventure movie. Not really adventure, but an action, uh, action-packed action uh, martial arts movie as well. But this movie is more of a, a dark revenge um, thriller. I was I was four, 14 years old when this movie came out. And it had been hyped up a lot, not only before the movie actually came out to, to the masses, but it had been really hyped up because it was the Brandon Lee had accidentally been shot and killed on the set of The Crow in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, it was a sad, sad tragedy because his father, Bruce Lee, was also murdered. Well, we won't say murdered but also uh, suffered a fatal accident resulting in his death on his final film as well. So I was a young, a young kid. I, um, I'd heard about... Uh, and Brandon Lee, he had actually been a favorite due to the fact that when I was younger... Uh, I would often spend the night at my friend's house, and we would watch, uh, you know, we would watch Van Damme movies, Steven Seagal movies, these action movies that we would watch, and we um, we ended up watching Showdown in Little Tokyo. That was one of the first original movies that we watched. Now, the reason that I even became, um, I guess you could say, the reason I became uh, to know that movie was because when we were younger. Uh, my friend had a VHS tape, and this is actually the first time ever revealing this ever. So this is like kind of an exclusive, unexclusive, because no one really cares, but this is just the story. So he had a VHS tape that had multiple, um, I guess you could say nude scenes on this tape. And there were some scenes from Showdown in Little Tokyo, which happened to star Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. And it's kind of in the vein of uh, like a knockoff lethal weapon kind of movie that takes place in Little Tokyo. Hence the title, Showdown in Little Tokyo. I'd seen Brandon Lee in Rapid Fire when I was about 12 years old at the old Coburn Movie Theater, if anyone remembers that. In uh, cinema number three, the very small one on the far right once you walked into the cinema. So that was in 92. Dragon the Bruce Lee story came out with another Lee, Jason Scott Lee, playing in that movie. Brandon Lee declined the star in that movie because that movie was about his father. So Brandon Lee then accepted um, the movie or the role. Here's a little tiny little spider. Um, he accepted the role of uh, The Crow, which was from a graphic novel written by James O'Barr, who also happens to be visiting the Knoxville um, Frankenfest next uh, Saturday. So, uh, James O'Barr, shout out to you. So, in addition to Brandon Lee taking on the role of Eric Draven in The Crow, James O'Barr was originally not very pleased with the casting of, of Brandon Lee. He had only seen Brandon Lee in Showdown in Little Tokyo, and he was afraid that this would be turned into a martial arts B movie, and we would be segregated to the, uh, you know, direct to DV, uh, direct to video market or direct to DVD at the time. Uh, I guess later on would be. <clears throat> that didn't happen because when uh, Brendan Lee read the lines and the dialogue 
and showed up on in, on set in the costume as Eric Draven, James O'Barr was blown away. He could not believe that this character that he had created, um, and it was very personal to him, was brought to life the way he imagined 100% by Brandon Lee. So let's get into a little bit of the movie. Now, before we get into uh, some of the topics that we have, not topics, but some of the categories that we have. Now, this was a top-selling soundtrack to um, the movie, The Crow. Now, back then, if, if you do remember, and if you don't, there were a lot of soundtracks that were big on the charts at the time. You would have anything from, you would have like a Space Jam, you would have The Crow, you would have, um, you know, uh, you had Titanic, you had all these um, different soundtracks that were just producing hit song after hit song. Now, The Crow was more of a... Um, I guess a, a hard rock album, I guess, but it also had some soft, um, delicate pieces in there as well. So that was a big part of, uh, I think, the lingering effect of The Crow, not just the movie itself, but the soundtrack and how um, amazing it was and it brought all these hard rock acts together and, and told the story within the, the music from the soundtrack as well. Um, so it was the director, Alex Proyas. He's also known for Dark City, the movie Knowing, with personal favorite Nicolas Cage, and I, Robot. Um, starring Brandon Lee, Michael Wincott, Ernie Hudson, and Tony Todd. Now, what's interesting about this is Tony Todd, if you know him from, from Candyman, would probably be one of his best-known roles. Ernie Hudson, you've got him in the Ghostbusters. He's in um, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And he shows up occasionally throughout, um, you know, just kind of random movies that he shows up in. Now, I really thought that Alex Proyas would become a more prolific director. Um, he had Dark City, which was an underrated movie. Uh, so I've read, I've only watched it twice. And I wasn't blown away either time, but... I didn't give it a, a fair, you know, watch all the way through. I stopped and started on multiple viewings, which doesn't always lead to the best cinematic experience. But Michael Wincott. Now, Michael Wincott was in, um, he's been in multiple things. He's in Alien um, Resurrection. He's in the Eddie Murphy movie Metro. He was in uh, the Jordan Peele movie this, last, uh, this past summer, Nope. He's got the he's got the gruff voice. He's got I can't really do that. He's got the gruff voice. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he has a gruff voice, and once you see his face and hear the voice, you will uh, immediately know him. He's he's mainly a villain or a, a bad guy, even an anti-hero sometimes. And uh, he's got the long hair in this, and he he plays a a wonderful villain in this film named Top Dollar. So, let's get into a little bit of the facts of the movie The Crow. Michael Massey, who uh, accidentally shot Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow, the gun was packed with dummies, dummy bullets. The powder, powder was taken out of them, but it was still put into the, uh, into the gun, 
when it was fired, it did fire and it lodged. It went in through Brendan Lee's, I think, stomach, lodged in his spine. And he bled out and died, um, I think, 17 to 18 hours later. He was pronounced dead. He was supposed to get married at the end of filming. And he died on the same age that his father, Bruce, had died. 28 years old. But Michael Massey, who uh, inadvertently shot Brandon Lee and killed him, was so traumatized by the accidental death that he stopped acting for well over a year. Um, now, I don't know how well-rounded uh, people are with Michael Massey. I, gu I guess the most uh, prolific thing that he has done that I can think of right off. Uh, besides The Crow, he was fun boy in The Crow. He, uh, his girlfriend was Marla, who was the mother of Shelley, who befriends uh, Eric Draven, as Eric Draven, before he has died, um, and afterwards. Her name's not Shelley, though. I'm not sure if I said that. Um, but Michael Massey has a small role in the movie Seven, if you've seen the, uh, the excellent and probably one of the top three serial killer films Jake and I discussed that back on um, on the movies he plays a character who um, John Doe mm, he, John Doe gets him to build a contraption and puts on the contraption and he's one of the I wouldn't say a victim but somewhat of a, a victim's watcher so that's Michael Massey he kind of has this grungy look to him he uh sadly he died but he never had fully recovered from the death of brandon lee another interesting fact was brandon lee was not completely happy with his face paint if you follow the comic uh, the graphic novel and the movie eric draven paints his face up uh with white paint and, and a mixture of paints but he wasn't he he thought it looked too fresh he thought it looked too um prepared manufactured so what he did was he put the makeup and applied the makeup on himself at night so when he went to bed he would be sleeping in the makeup and when he woke up the next morning and showed up on set the makeup and face paint would be worn and have that worn look as if it was you know someone coming back and going through these uh vengeful actions so that was kind of a, an interesting thing. The budget of The Crow was $23, 23 million, which uh, is quite a decent budget for this kind of a low-tiered uh, low property at the time. It, it was kind of a B-level, quote-unquote, superhero. Anti-hero, maybe. He's not really super. I mean, he's, he does things. Uh, he's not a bad guy. But he's back for vengeance, and he's got these people that he wants to, you know, get vengeance upon. So he's not doing it, he's doing it with a supernatural ability, uh, which is through the crow. He's able to be healed when, he's, um, when he fights, when he's shot. Uh, he's regenerated and, and heals quickly, things like that. But the budget for this film was $23 million dollars. And the death of Brandon Lee wasn't the only uh, horrible tragedy that had happened. Someone got electrocuted on set. 
there were a, a couple of times where um, the set was improperly uh, had improper safety precautions, so they were uh, kind of shut down for a little while. Um, the crew that went through and checked the guns and make sure they were correct for the movie uh, obviously did not do their job. So to this day, up until uh, I think it was last summer, the uh, the accidental death on the Alec Baldwin movie, um, I think it's called Dust, uh, there had not been a, a death on a Hollywood set due to a shooting. So that was kind of... Um, there was a lot of protocols, a lot of safety measures, and things like that had went into movie making after the death of Brandon Lee. Now, I I wonder what Brandon Lee could have been as an actor, not only a martial artist, because he's he was amazing. You can go back and watch Showdown in Little Tokyo, and you can also watch um, Rapid Fire as well. So, on a $23 million budget, The Crow made $50 million. So, obviously, it was released after Brandon Lee's death. So, that actually stirred up some interest within the film for a while. Are they going to finish it? Aren't they going to finish it? This was one of the first times when CGI was used to um, in the way that it was. And to this day, if you know the story behind it, you do know... Or you may know the pieces where Brandon Lee is digitally um, enhanced on screen. His face is imposed on another actor because they hadn't completed the film once he uh, he had passed. They they still had about six weeks of shooting left. So for a while it was in limbo, and um, you know with with uh, you know Brandon Lee's fiance in the estate. His, you know, they they decided it would be in best to honor Brandon. It would probably be the best. Let's go ahead and finish this film because he was working on this. I would want them to do that to me. I'm working on this film. I die on this film, and you're not going to finish it. You're not going to release it. You're going to honor my memory by not finishing what I was dying doing. That seems to be the dishonesty if you didn't finish the film. I don't think it's dishonest. Let the studio make the money. It's not about the money at this point. It's about the memory of the actor or actress. In this case, the memory uh, is Brandon Lee, who was the title character, or um, uh, you know Eric Draven in The Crow. It's got a 7.5 rating on IMDb, so IMDb uh, users really like it. 84% positive on Rotten Tomatoes, although this movie came out before Rotten Tomatoes, and it has a 90% positive audience score. So it's got a lot of good things going for it, and I think that's why it was such a success. Now, I'd seen this movie, like I had said, in, in the theater. I'd seen this movie four times in the theater, uh, three times at the Coburn Cinema, and one time at the at the Wise Cinema. But when I saw it at the Wise Cinema, it was pretty. It was kind of special because they were doing a sneak preview. If you go to see The Crow, you get to see a sneak preview movie called Speed, starring Keanu Reeves and little-known actress Sandra. Bullock. So I did see, there's only been a couple of movies that I've seen that many times in the theater, and The Crow 
being uh, one of those one of those movies. I'm not going to say the other one. It's going to have to be a secret. So let's get down into a little bit of the nitty gritty in in the film, the plot and the story. So, as I said, Eric Draven and his girlfriend Shelley are brutally murdered by a gang of thugs. Skank, Tintin, Funboy, T-Bird. And it's ordered by Top Dollar. No, not really on Eric Draven and his, his fiance Shelley um, per se, but they want to wreak havoc on the city. They want to burn the city to the ground. They're into drugs. They're into booze. They're into girls. They're into destruction. And that's what they set out to do on Devil's Night. So they break in. They brutally murder Shelley. Eric watches. And then they throw him out this circular window. Down. Story upon story. And he dies when he hits the pavement. One year later... He's, he's somewhat resurrected by the spirit or the, the guidance of this crow. It leads him to the land of the living. Right away, he is... He kind of knows what to do. So within the, within the constraints and within the plot of the story of the movie, Eric Draven seeks out vengeance upon these gang members that took what he loved and murdered it murdered her murdered the love of her life for no reason other than because they could other than because it was devil's night and other than because they wanted to Now, if you've seen this film, you would know that um, it's dark in tone. It's dark in color. It takes place all on Devil's Night, one year from uh, the death of Eric Draven and Shelley Webster. And uh, I don't want to give it away, although it is quite a bit, you know, quite a few years older. I don't want to spoil this movie because this is a movie that you, I think, you should seek out. And, and watch it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that now. You might not love it, but I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to appreciate it. Um, and I think, I think you really, really are going to dig it. So we've got the characters. We've got um, Brandon Lee as Eric Draven. Now, I guess Brandon Lee obviously would be the, the go-to uh, favorite character of the movie. I would say he is the heart in the soul of the movie, but you have Ernie Hudson as the the detective that befriends uh, his his friend 
uh, Eric's friend, the the younger the young teen, who happens to be the uh, her mother happens to be dating Fun Boy, who happens to have been played by Michael Massey. See, it all kind of wraps around. It all kind of wraps around, and you kind of you know understand how it does so. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. But it's fun talking about it. So, the characters, you know, I would say every character in this movie is a solid character. You've got Gideon. Um, you've got uh, Michael Massey. You've got um, Michael Wincott, Ernie Hudson. Tony Todd makes an appearance in there. And you've got several other uh, actors uh, and actresses that you might not know their name, but you know their face. You can definitely be like, oh, I know that person. Oh, yeah, that's who it is. Oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. I know that lady. Yeah, it's, it's, got, it's got a cast full of those kind of people as well. So that is, that's a really cool thing to, to think about because it's got a diverse, I, you know, I wouldn't say there's a superstar amongst them as far as a movie star goes. You know, a lot of times you have the big movie stars that would open. This opened in the summer. This opened in May of uh, 1994. So you would have big movie stars at the time opening movies. You had the the Flintstones came out with John Goodman. You had the, um, let's see what else we had. We had uh, True Lies with Arnold that came out that year. You've got The Specialist, Sylvester Stallone. You had Speed that came out also. You had, uh, I think you had Clear and Present Danger, which was a Harrison Ford movie. So you had all these big blockbusters going up, and then you had like Angels in the Outfield and movies like that. But, so the Crow, the competition that the Crow had, it was, you know, a little bit fierce uh, box office competition. There's no doubt about that. But it held its own, made the money back, and then some. So there's no doubt that this movie would have elevated Brandon Lee to the next tier as far as actors go. Now, would he have chosen a, a martial arts movie? Would he, he have chosen something more dramatic? It's hard to say. I personally don't think that he would have taken a, a martial arts movie. I think he, he wanted to establish himself as his own person, as his own entity, not as Bruce Lee's son. And now when people mention The Crow or Brandon Lee, I, you know, it's often mentioned that, yeah, this is Bruce Lee's son, but is that the first and foremost thing they think of? Because for me personally, it isn't. Personally, I'm thinking, this is an actor who was tragically shot on the film set of a movie, a good movie, a good solid movie. Is The Crow great? It, it wouldn't go into the stratosphere of great but it's a good, solid action thriller that has a little bit of the uh, supernatural element to it. So if you like that type of film or haven't revisited this movie in a while, I think that you should do so. Um, favorite scene or least favorite scene? You know, I do have... Uh, you know, I don't know if I really have a favorite scene. I think one of my favorite scenes would be near the end of the film. And it's a scene where, um, I'm trying to think which, it's T-Bird is in the, uh, he gets in his car. He's about, he's starting to drive. 
And then Eric reaches behind him. And he's like, it can't be you. You can't be you. This is the really real world. There's no coming back. This is the really real world. There's no coming back. And he uh, ties T-Bird. Uh, I think he duct tapes him to the seat of his car. And then ends up, um, there's gasoline poured around. And then as he lights a match, it explodes the car and into the, into the harbor as the outline of the crow is ablaze in flames. So that would probably be my one of my favorite scenes of the movie. One of my least favorite scenes that I would have to say is near the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Top Dollar and Eric Draven are having a duel on top of the cathedral. Um, very much a la 1989 Batman near the end where the Joker um, and Batman come face to face. Batman's running up the stairs, the staircase to the 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 tall gothic cathedral and this is a very similar thing there's a there's a dual heavy rain sweeping camera angles and then you have eric draven and top dollar uh, dueling it out with with uh, i don't want to say they're swords top dollar does have a sword eric draven happens to grab onto a cross that gets hit by lightning and as he does that he pulls it out of the uh, I guess the stone. So in essence, it does kind of turn out to be a makeshift uh, sword. But near the end of this film, they uh, Eric Draven picks up Top Dollar, and he is about to exude and uh, I guess tr uh, transport all the pain that he's he's had. He's going to transport that and give that to top dollar and then he picks him up and uh kind of holds him over and then it kind of shows flashes of you know when eric draven was there with with his dying wife or girlfriend shelly all the pain she had endured you know for 48 hours she endured this pain and he's giving that the top dollar all the pain you can have it i don't need it anymore you can have it I don't need it anymore. And then he drops him. <laughs> Something about that scene, I, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with the uh, graphic novel. But the scene itself, I, I think they could have done more with the ending. You know, whether it be because you know he happens to drop top dollar, top dollar falls down as he's falling through the sky, or you know toward the ground. He lands uh, on like a gargoyle and it pierces through him. Okay, a satisfying ending, none, ending nonetheless. But I think that there could have just been a better way to to cap it off. You know, I'm not really quite sure what that would be because I've never actually sat down and thought what what it you know what a, what a good ending battle would have been. But I wasn't disappointed in this. But I thought it didn't, that didn't quite live up to the rest of the movie. But other than that, it's not really, I wouldn't say a, a flat out criticism. It's more of a, I would like to, I would have adjusted it just a, a little bit. Um, let's go to the score and the music. You know, this, this score, 
This is Nine Inch Nails right here. So yeah, uh, that's a little bit of the, the soundtrack. I mean, it's got, you've got The Cure, you've got Nine Inch Nails, you've got, uh, there's just, I'm trying to go through some and, and just and just give you some because um, it, it, it's kind of like if you like the hard rock of the early 90s, then you're going to like a lot of the, the albums, a, a lot of the songs on the album. You've got Rage Against the Machine, on there, you've got Stone Temple Pilots on there. You've got um, Machines of Loving Grace on there. There are you've got uh, Violet Films on there. You've got Not uh, for Love, Not Lisa, My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult, The Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, so there's a lot of these, you know. Uh, my life with the thrill kill cult. So there's quite a bit of a variety on there, and uh, oddly enough, I do have. Well, yeah, I do have the actual um, cassette tape of this, the cassette tape of the Crow with Brendan Lee, and you know. This this is a soundtrack that sold I think three and a half four million copies, um, quadruple platinum, and it had a lot of the uh, a lot of the songs that I'd mentioned earlier. One of the biggest hits on there was probably the Stone Temple Pilot song uh, that we played earlier. That was also featured when they did their um, it was called their Unplugged, and that was also a really good version. This is a really good song. Let's take a listen. They really are worn thin. I can see my sock.
And that was the Stone Temple Pilots' Big Empty from the soundtrack to The Crow on 92.5 WLSD The Vault. And you're listening to Real Talk. I wanted to do my announcer voice there. I thought I did okay. I don't typically do that kind of a voice, but I, I think that I could because it's not an easy thing to continuously do. So those that do it, hats off to you. Now, like I said, uh, the score, the music, the soundtrack, it was a, it was a good score. It was, um, even when it's not the music playing, and there's several songs that, that play in the film from the soundtrack, it does have a good subtle score, um, especially during the fight scenes and, and during the, some of the more uh, melancholy, uh, dramatic scenes. So the, the music and the score really adds a lot to the movie The Crow. Now, the originality, uh, it's a... You know, I don't know how original it is. You know, someone's coming back. They're trying to uh, seek vengeance of upon something that's been done wrong to them. It's a tale as old as time. But it's told in a, a very good way. It's told in a way with rich characters. It's told in a way where you actually care about Eric Draven and you, you're invested in the mission that he's going after these people that did him wrong. You feel, feel, feel that it's justified by what he's doing. And obviously uh, murder or anything in the, in the real world context is never okay. But when the context of this movie, that is the only option. He's brought back to get vengeance for his murder and his fiance's Shelley's murder. So he does that. So, in final thoughts, I guess, on the movie, would I recommend The Crow? Now, I don't think it's going to be of any surprise that I would say, yes, I would recommend The Crow. I think you need to seek it out. I happen to have it on DVD. I'm not sure if it's streaming streaming anywhere, but uh, if you can seek it out, maybe on your Fire Stick or anything, I think that you should. It's about an hour and 50 minutes, so I think it's time worth spent. And I don't feel like any, I don't really feel like any scene could really be cut. Like I said earlier, the scene near the end could have been changed or altered a little bit. But I don't think there's a lot of uh, excess fat on the bone, if I can use that uh, term. Which I guess I can because I did. But I think you should check it out. Um... Like I said, it's not a movie for, you know, if you like vengeance, then, you know, movies, you know, if you like movies that are kind of like this, where people are getting vengeance, then you're going to like the movie. It's got a little bit of a supernatural uh, element, and every character is a strong character. It really is. I can't really tell you much more than that. Um... I guess I could, but I don't want to give all the movie away. I guess I've given a lot of the movie away, haven't I? But it's one that I've enjoyed over the years, and I would probably say that I've watched The Crow at least, probably at least 20 times. So it, it doesn't really get old. It's one I revisit maybe every, maybe once a year. There's a couple movies that I always go back and I watch once a year. And those range and vary, and I'm sure you all have those type of movies as well. You know, Garden State would be one of those movies for me. Uh, Die Hard 
would be one of those water world. I go back and I rewatch that one over and over again. I could go and throw in, you know, the hills have eyes. I could say hostel, infinity pool, um, sex lies in videotape. There's just a, a vast majority of, of films that you can go back and rewatch and really appreciate more the second or third or fourth time around. Because a lot of the movies I've seen now, I do research on film every single day. There's not a day that I don't get up and I don't uh, do some kind of research about. It's not. It doesn't even have to be the film that I'm actually doing uh, the show on. For example, this week, originally we were going to do Dead Man. I'd watched some of Dead Man. The week had been super busy, as I'm sure everyone out there has too, but it just didn't work out. Then I uh, was going to do a different movie earlier. I'd posted about that movie. I knew that movie really well, but I had a guest that, that wanted to do the movie with me, so um, I kind of postponed and thought of The Crow only moments before going live. Only moments before. That's the genius of the show that, <laughs> that no one understands and no one knows. Moments before chose the movie The Crow. And not only that, but as you can uh, probably hear wrote, well, yeah, hand wrote out the itinerary for the show. So next week, we're going to do, we're going to, you know, I think I'm going to dive into, you know, there's been mainly serious movies that we've done. We've done Natural Born Killers, Memento, Sling Blade, Pulp Fiction, now of the, the Crow. So there's been some heavy-handed uh subject matter discussed uh, within the realm of film on this show. So next week, we're going to dive into one of my favorite actors, one of his films. Now, this is not one of my favorite films of his, but it's been one that's been requested time and time again. So next week, we're going to do the Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich, Action Extravaganza Con Air. So that's what we're going to do. Definitely do that next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. We also have Garden State coming up in the future. Um, and, you know, I might go ahead soon and give out the, the movies that I'm going to do for the rest of the summer. It's going to be Blockbuster Summer, and there's going to be a lot of fun to be had. Like I said, we have the Best Friends Festival starting June 5th here in downtown Norton. And we also have a great, uh, a lot of great music and a lot of things going on on our sister station, 93.5 WAXM. So keep track of things there. Also, I wanted to mention there is a, a SoundCloud now um, for WAXM, and you can check out the podcast, The Dark Place, that's going to be on there. Now, right now, The Dark Place is exploring teen killers and teen murderers, but it's also going to be going into other things as well as the episodes. We've just got on uh, episode three. This past week was the episode of the case of Zachary Davis, which was a sad case. So that's why I want to do uh, Con Air next week, because I don't want people leaving the show being sad. 
I want people leaving the show feeling happy, feeling like they know some information about this show, telling their friends, hey, listen to this nerdy guy that happens to be, you know, on the radio, talk about movies that I haven't thought about in a while, or movies that I've always thought about watching and didn't know, so maybe I should. So please check out the uh, the Real Talk page. Um, I guess there's not an actual page, but please check out the SoundCloud page on there. Now I'm going to play a little bit of a song. This is on the soundtrack to The Crow. Now I've listened, I, I have a playlist on Spotify, and this song for a little while was on there. It's uh, called... Burn, and it's a Joy Division cover. 